Welcome to the Janine Boland Show, where we share tips from around the globe as we guide practical people with their finances using money tips, increase their incomes through side businesses, and maintain their sanity by staying in their creative zone. Welcome to the show. I'm Janine Bolin, and I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in with us today. As you know, with the Janine Bolin Show, we like to help you save your time, save you money. We'd like to help you save your knowledge and save your sanity. And we do all this by sharing a multiple lifetimes worth of systems, tips, and techniques that will help you as you run your life, so to speak. And as you're moving through your day, just wanted to kind of share with you some tips that might be able to help you increase your income. We all are looking for little ways that we can increase our income. And I know you may be working flat out with one or two jobs, but some of you are so creative and so artistic that you really have this desire to run your own business or to take a hobby that you have and see if you can make a little extra cash. So let's talk about that today. I wanted to share with you some of the things that I've learned over the last 30 years where I started running my own business when I was 10, but I really didn't have my very first service-based business uh, until I was probably 16. And that way I had a car because I lived in Southern Missouri and we, <laughs> we were out in the sticks. We were about 10 miles from a local town. So I had to have transportation if I was going to work at my own business. So the very first business I ever had, I took out a loan. I borrowed $39 from my mom so that I could make t-shirts and hats that had my logo printed on them. And I created the big business, J Bonds Helping Hands, which was a domestic and professional cleaning service. And I had partnered with my sister and we were working for $8 an hour for people. And we would split the money in half after each job. And I remember that was the hardest money I had ever worked for in my life. And I made a promise to myself that I would never take a loan out again in business in that way. So you fast forward about 10 years, and I found myself borrowing money against an old truck that I owned. And the reason for that was I was not running a service-based business. I was running my Mary Kay business, and I needed $1,000 from the bank so I could get enough product so I could get rolling with my customers. Now, that loan was paid off in just a few months, and I was given a lifetime of training from the systems that Mary Kay Ash used to train her consultants during that time. Just wanted to let you know, if you've never run a business before in your entire life, if you've never had experience with that, I highly recommend that you join an MLM or a multi-level marketing type firm that has products or services that you really love, like you use them yourself. And the reason I recommend that is it is great training on how to run a business. They will teach you the systems necessary. There's also some short courses I offer that help you with, you know, how to build a business. But if you wanted something where you are running products and services that are already in hand, you can do that with an MLM. But let me tell you something. I was not a person that wore a lot of makeup, but Mary Kay Ash, I absolutely love that group. I love that MLM because, well, and technically they don't consider themselves an MLM because the company will actually give you um, uh, commissions on some of the stuff that you do, but I will be forever grateful for their training programs, the upline that I got to work with, as well as all the women that I was able to help to look and feel better about themselves, not only because of the products we were selling, but also because of the self-employment 
I was able to pay off that loan I got from the bank. And I made so much money that my husband and I were able to take a 30-day trip around the United States in an RV after only 18 months. So it was through these businesses and 12 others that I learned how important it was to have systems so that you could sustain your business. Business owners are highly creative problem solvers and artists, although they may not see that in themselves. <laughs> Many of the solopreneurs flat out have told me, I'm not an artist. But when I would look at how they would uh, solve some of their problems, I have to disagree. They are amazingly talented and gifted people. And it was because of their mental gifts, as well as their physical adaptability, that they needed to work a side hack. I mean, why? I, just because working a full-time job kept food on the table, but it wasn't enough to keep their minds engaged. And that is what most entrepreneurs are seeking, is they're we seeking out a way to have some sort of self-expression or they see a problem that needs to be solved and they want to attack it their way. So as a solopreneur, we wear many different types of hats as we run our business. It is important that you pay special attention to your calendar when you're setting up your work week. Remember the old adage, know the difference between working in your business and working on your business. As a young business owner, I heard that statement a lot from the top salespeople of the day, such as Brian Tracy, Earl Nightingale, and Lloyd Conan. All of them were talking about this, how you needed to work on your business. And then there were times you needed to work in your business. I really didn't understand what the difference was, but as I began to decipher that, it would take me seven years to fully understand the difference. And when I did, it revolutionized the way that I thought about my own business and the way that I would begin to run the businesses that I created. I call it the four critical hours. Now, these critical four hours that I'm going to share with you are the core of working on your business. Now, this is the time that you will spend each week on your business that helps you keep it profitable, keeps a steady stream of new prospects, clients, and customers walking through your doors or messaging you on your phone, and it is an organic way to build a business. It allows you to continue to live a high-quality lifestyle without your business consuming every waking hour. I mean, isn't that the reason we got into business in the first place? I mean, we wanted a different life. And so this one that we are creating for ourselves is the one that the critical four hours a week are going to help you keep your business in a slow but steady growth phase. Okay, so four hours a week you need to set aside for working on your business. And you can break them up into one hour uh, time slots. And so as I talk about these, it's prospecting, follow-up, connecting, and training yourself. Those are the four hours a week. Now let's break each one of these down. Let's talk about prospecting. There's a lot of discussion in the business world about what it means to be a, uh, prospecting new clients. Every week, you need to spend a minimum of one hour either on the phone or private messaging and talking to people that you know. Now, this is not just family and friends. These are business people that you know, and you are talking to them about what you do. You're not selling to them. You're just calling folks up and you're asking them, hey, how are you doing? What's new in your life? And what you're doing is you're do building 
uh, these relationships with them. It's called relationship marketing. And with relationship marketing, you're not sell, sell, sell. What you're doing is you're calling these people up and just saying, hey, what's new in your world? How are you doing? What's happening? And the reason why you're asking them is because you want to find out where they are, not only in their own business, but what's going on in their life to see if you can help them. And if you can't help them, you have a whole network of people that you know that you can pick up the phone and call and they know you. And so sometimes what you're doing is we're referring people back and forth. You're being helpful. This prospecting that you're doing every hour a week is tremendously helpful at letting people know not only are you in business, but you're staying in business for the long haul. And so what you're doing is building these organic relational uh, business relationships. This means that you're taking the time to listen to what's new in their world and you're finding out what's going on in their business. And in return, they're asking you about what's your business? What's the product or service that uh, you're working with and what can you do to help them? You're taking the time to hear them out on what they're distressed about so that you can recommend either your own company's services or someone else that can assist them. Those prospecting calls are all about listening and using this sentence a lot. Tell me more, John. Tell me more about that, Mary. Tell me more about that, Carol. I mean, I, I use that sentence so much. Some people are like, you're kidding me, Janine. <laughs> I mean, because this is the point. The more you know about your prospects the better you can suit the needs or services to them and you can recommend to them a custom-made solution. So depending upon what's going on in your life and what you're doing for people, you can really serve them better. And what ends up happening is you get customers for life this way. You just don't have a one-and-done kind of situation. And for most of us, that's what we prefer with our businesses. So the second hour a week that you're going to be using is called follow-up. Now, you may have heard this so much that it makes you sick. I know that there are times it has been for me, which is the fortune in business is in the follow-up. The fortune is in the follow-up. So during that second hour a week that you're going to be using to work on your business, this is where you are following up with the prospects that you called two weeks earlier, and they may have asked you to call back later, or they weren't ready to speak with you about a particular offering. You're taking an hour a week where all you do is follow up with people on the phone, through email and through your messaging services, just so that you can say, hey, what's happening? We tried to connect two weeks ago. It didn't work out. What's happening with you today? So this is what you do on a weekly basis. Now, that third hour a week, this is one that a lot of people will kind of don't understand when I talk about how you connect with people. This is the hour a week where you're writing note cards, and thank you cards to all the prospects that you've spoken to on the phone. This is where you thank them for whatever assistance they have given you, or you mention to them how you were thinking of them on a particular day and you wanted to drop them a quick note so that they would have something other than bills in their mailbox. Direct mail is amazing. It is a way to stand out in your field in a way that if you include an article or a picture of something that reminds you of them, this is something that just blows your particular prospects away when you do it. So I want you to stay tuned. We have to take a short break for our uh, commercials and our sponsors. And I just wanted to say thank you for being with us. But we're going to talk about that critical fourth hour that is so imperative. And it is the one critical hour that most entrepreneurs and solopreneurs 
don't even take a wit about. And it's this hour that is the most powerful when it comes to the four-hour week system, how you keep prospects, clients, and customers walking through your door. So we'll see you after this break. back. What we were talking about before the break was the four critical hours a week that you need to be spending on your business so that you can build it. This four hour a week system is something that I learned the hard way. It took me almost seven years to get it down to a system for myself. And the the aspect of it that is the most powerful is it builds lifetime clients and customers. It is amazing. Now, if you're one of these businesses that's like a dropship business or something like that, where it's a kind of a one and done sort of system uh, or business, this system may not be perfect for you. This may not be something that you want. However, I found it very rare that a business did not find this critical four hour week system that I use. Uh, to be not profitable for them. What you're doing is you're building your business organically through relationship marketing. And that's a big thing these days is relationship marketing. Well, really all it is, is this four hours a week that we were describing and talking about is you spend one hour a week where you're doing nothing but prospecting one hour a week where you do nothing but follow-up. I mean, this is at the minimum. Some of you have businesses out there where you need to do more than just an hour a week, but I'm making the assumption that you're working full-time. And so you need uh, to keep that in mind as well. Right. Um, And so that, Third hour a week is where you're connecting with people on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn and that sort of thing. Uh, And you're also sending those thank you notes. That's what we were talking about right before the break was direct mail is an amazing way to stand stand out in your particular field, especially if you slip in like an article or a picture of something that reminds you of the person that you were talking to. There were times where I would spend anywhere from three to four hours a week sending thank you letters back in the day. There are now online systems that I can share with you if you want to set up a phone call with me where I can actually assist you with the direct mail uh, marketing that I use now. But I also promised you, hey, what's that four hour week that most entrepreneurs and solopreneurs ignore? And it's to their own detriment. Well, the This is probably, like I said, one of the most neglected aspects of time that solopreneurs need to spend on their business, and that is training yourself. This is on that self-development and training. Be sure that you are continuing to stay up to date in your field, as well as reading the latest articles and the trends in your area of expertise. This is what makes you incredibly valuable to your clients and customers. As an entrepreneur and as a solopreneur, you will take more time to read what is going on in your industry than the so-called experts that are working for larger Fortune 500 companies. So by taking the time to work on your business and by training yourself, reading and staying up to date with the current literature, by learning that software package that is custom built for your particular company, by taking the time one hour a week, by the end of a year, that would be 52 hours that you spent 
just training yourself. Let me tell you something. As a business owner, there's always something more to learn. And because your brain is highly active and highly creative, you are more engaged than most people when it comes to your to your self-development. You want to keep that brain engaged through learning and self-education and self-development. So this is that four hour, critical four hours a week, uh, by taking time to work on your business for these four critical hours a week, you will notice your income increasing as you move through your contacts in your address book, on your LinkedIn profile, and your Facebook friends. It's important that you continually reach around to people to let them know, yes, you are still in business. Yes, you are interested in what they are doing in their life. Yes, you are still here to be of service to them and the communities that they serve in some particular way. It is one of those aspects of that there is fortune in the follow-up. You know, you've heard about that so much. The fortune is in the follow-up. The fortune is in the follow-up. And it's one of those things that truly is important that you follow up with people every couple of weeks. So one of the rules that I like to share with business owners who come to me for training is this. You don't get off the phone with anyone unless you already have another scheduled time to contact them. So somebody will get a hold of me on Zoom or they'll be on a phone call with me. And even if our business is concluded, I will say, hey, John or hey, Mary, um, when's the next time I can reach back around you? I just want to stay in touch. I want to make sure that you're doing all right. And then I will bring up some piece of information that I have learned about them where it's important that I follow up with them. I want to make sure that your mom is still doing okay, or I want to check on the fact that, you know, that your dog was able to get through surgery okay, or what have you. It's just humanizing business. And so these sorts of follow-ups are imperative to creating lifetime customers. Did you know that 65% of customers leave their current vendor or leave their current business that they are, you know, getting product and services from because they don't feel like the owner cares about them. 65% leave your business because they don't think you care about them. So do you see why follow-up is so important? Even if you're just calling or texting them and saying, hey, what's going on in your life? What's happening? What's new in your world? When can we get on a Zoom call or when can we get on a phone call and just chat about what's happening with you? All right. And so these types of follow up are important. Now, I have some business owners that come to me and say, Janine, I just don't know how to get new clients or I just don't know anybody. This happens a lot with folks who have been working for other people full time for so long that they are like, "Okay, I just don't know. You know, new. I just don't know who to talk to. I don't want to hit my family up with my new MLM business or just because I'm uh, new in business, I don't want to talk to my family and friends about it. And I I recommend that you do talk to your family and friends, but you say this, you go, hey, so-and-so, you know, a friend that you haven't talked to in two years. Hey, I just got into business for myself and don't worry, I'm not trying to sell you. I just wanted to let you know, I've just gotten into a new business and I'm offering new, let's say, graphic design services for logos. Do you know of anybody that is looking for a graphic designer? And they may say, well, no, not off the top of my head or what have you. The thing is, you just let them know you're looking for referrals. That puts them in a place where they're a little bit more comfortable because you're not trying to sell to them directly. And then you ask them about what's going on in their life and you take time to hear what's happening with them. And then you say to them, hey, 
if you find out if anybody who needs a new graphic designer, would you let them know I specialize in and tell them one area that you specialize in? And then after you've chatted with them for a bit, you say, hey, when can I reach back around to you? And so I can follow up with you about, you know, great aunt Sally and how she's doing or whatever it is that's more on a personal nature. This is a way you just let them know you're going to stay in business for a long time because you're fostering these relationships. The other thing is, and, and this is something that I always giggle about, you know, before 2020, there was a lot of networking that was going on. And I know that you know people. And where do you stash all those business cards? Seriously, you have buckets and buckets of business cards sitting around somewhere. Now, if you're one of those uh, millennials and you're like, no, Janine, I don't have any business cards. Okay, there are other systems we can use. However, for those of you who have boxes and boxes <laughs> of business cards just laying around because you wanted to follow up with them, this is a perfect thing to do during your connecting hour, you know, for the four critical hours we're talking about. And it's called the three box system. And this is a super easy way, an incredibly simple way for you to be able to move through those five shoe boxes of business cards you have stashed in your office closet. Now, maybe you don't have five shoe boxes full like some of my clients, but some of you have really, you've had a lot of uh, business cards from vendors, from salespeople, that sort of thing. You have boxes and boxes. So what I want you to do is take the idea of this system. It's called the three box system. And when I first found out that this business owner that I was speaking to had no system, I, I like literally my brain screeched to a halt. I was talking to a customer, a client of mine, and he was asking me for assistance with his business and he needed a new system for handling business cards. And my brain just screeched to a halt when he said, what do you do with business cards? What do you do with them? I'm like, dude, how long have you been in business? And, he's, and he told me, I've been in business for nine years. And I was like, wow, I've been in business so long. I forgot that some folks haven't set up systems on what to do with business cards when they find them laying around their office or their home. So I was like, okay, here you go. This is the three box system that I use for old business cards that when I stumble across them, I I clean up when I'm cleaning up my paperwork in my office or whatever. So what you want to do is you want to go to the dollar store, or Dollar Tree or something like that and get yourself three of those boxes that have the uh, for kids pencils or something like that. And I have an article on my website. You can go to JanineBolan.com and you'll see this article. It's called the three box system and you'll see what these boxes look like. But just get yourself those little pencil cases that cost a box, uh, a buck. Anyway, what you end up doing is you get these three boxes, you bring them together, and you say, all right, you label them with this incredibly imaginative title. I'm being sarcastic here. Box one, box two, and box T three. Literally, these are the labels that I have on mine. And then each time you find a business card on your desk or in a pile of papers or it's uh, sent to you in some direct mail, you basically put it into box number one on your, in your office. Okay. Now, if you're like my particular client that I was coaching, you have, and you have five shoe boxes filled of business cards and have no memory of the people where you got the cards from, just fill up box one until you can comfortably close the lid and work through those cards week by week until you have acted on every single one of them and then empty box one. And then you're going to refill it from one of your shoe boxes. Okay. I'll, I'll, the article that I've written on this is much more helpful for you, but what you're going to do 
is you're going to go through each one of the business cards that's in box one. And I have an eight-step system that I use with each one of those business cards. And it's a wonderful system because you can move through these potentially new clients, customers, and these people because they're considered warm clients at this point or they're considered warm prospects. Why? Because you have their business card. <laughs> you have met them or they know you or something has occurred. So these are not, this is not like cold calling. This is not like you've purchased a list from somebody. These are people you know. So we have to make a quick station break. And when I come back, I'm going to chat with you about this eight-step system for moving through those particular business cards as you get ready to prospect this group of clients and customers. back to the show. So before the commercial break, we were talking about how you handle old business cards and as a business owner, what you can do prospect with those business cards. This is not cold calling. This isn't buying a list uh, where you don't have any idea what people are doing. This is you taking business cards that have been handed to you personally and you found through the office, they're in a closet, in a shoebox, whatever, and you're building out a three box system so that you can walk through those particular people that you have met at some point and you're working through them to see if they're going to eventually become a vendor for your business or are they going to be a client or even more powerful are they going to be a referral now one of the things we can talk about referrals later but right now what we're doing is they're trying to help you clear out your office of all those old business cards sitting around and i have an eight step system that we use uh, when we're going through our hour of prospecting. So part of the four hour a week system that we use to work on our business is bringing in new clients and customers. So anyhow, you have box one set up and this is just a bunch of business cards that you stuffed into this box and you're going to start pulling out those out. And so when you put all those old business cards into box number one, um, if you have more, and this was something I had a client ask me, if you have more cards than your pencil box can hold, find a storage box or a shoe box or something. And what you're going to do is every time you empty box number one, you're just going to refill it from, <laughs> from that other box. But what you're going to do is you're going to look at that business card and from the hours of nine to five in your particular time zone, you're going to make a phone call. Now, on the day and time that you are scheduled to do your prospecting hour that we talked about before, um, you're going to open up box number one, you're going to grab a business card, and you're going to call the number on the card, and you're going to ask for the person who's on the card. Now, what is the point of this phone call? Basically, it's just to connect with the person who gave you the card, of course, right? You're like, duh, Janine, I got that. Yes, I understand. But Sometimes people get really nervous about making that call. I have run into business owners who have been in business for over 10 years and they still get sweaty palms every time they go to pick up the phone. Please realize this person has given you their business card. They have given you permission to call them. 
what I want you to do is then leave a message. If you get a voicemail, leave a message something like this. Hey, Jane, I was cleaning out my desk today and I stumbled upon your business card. You know, it's embarrassing. I can't even remember why I got it, but it was so important to me at the time. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made a point of keeping your card. Is there any chance we can schedule a phone call and we can catch up on our latest projects? Please give me a call back and I hope to chat with you soon. Then after you've left that voice message, text them on their cell phone if it happens to be on the business card and let them know to, and don't forget to include your name, okay? And usually I write something like this. Hi, Jane, Janine Bolin here. I left you a voice message. I look forward to chatting with you. This lets them, directs them, lets them know where to go with that. Then if you happen to have an email you can email Jane a quick message of, good afternoon, Jane. I just left you a message on your voicemail to let you know that I would love to reconnect. Please let me know your availability. This gives them an opportunity to connect with you either through phone calls, because face it, some people just prefer phone calls, right? They're such busy people. Some people prefer text. And then there are those who are so swamped, they have executive assistants or something like that. And so you want to be able to email them so their executive assistant can then grab that email and send you their online calendar. Because of 2020 and all the things that have occurred, we have no idea where our people are, right? Some Sometimes you have a business card that's five or six years old. They may not even be in business anymore, but it's best to check in on those folks, right? Anyway. The next thing I would recommend you do after you've emailed them is with that business card, try to find the person on LinkedIn. Now, this is my favorite social media platform. I go onto this account and search out people who I have their business card, and then I make sure that we're connected. If we aren't, I request a connection, and I always add a note on it because on LinkedIn, you can add a note. And I'll say, hi, I'm holding your business card and I'm embarrassed to say, I can't remember where we met, but I would like to connect here on LinkedIn and I send it off. If I don't find her on LinkedIn, then I go to Facebook and I try to find her there. Okay, so once I've entered Jane's information, I put Jane's name, uh, Jane's name, phone number and her other business information into my contact list or what I call my master CRM, the contact relationship management spreadsheet that I have. And I place your business card in box two. All right. So I told you this is a three box system. So once I have done all that stuff with her uh, business card, I put it into box number two when I'm done. Then I go back to box number one and I repeat all the systems. I just, <laughs> just all the same um, activities I just gave you. And I do that for a full hour where I'm doing nothing but picking up a business card, calling the person entering their information, texting, emailing, put it into box number two, pick up another card from box number one. Okay, so this is what I, I do. Now, here's some pointers when you're prospecting with old business cards. Throw away the card if you call the number and it's no longer in service. Hey, well, not in, not in business, so pitch it. Throw away the card if you call the number and your contact no longer works there. Okay, I've had this happen a lot, mainly with 2020 being what it is, right? Then throw away the card if the person you contact tells you that they're not interested and connect with you. Now, I've only had this happen to me once in the 40, yes, F, that is four zero, in the 40 years I've been running this system, <laughs> I've only had that happen once, but it is important. If they tell you, hey, I have no interest in you talking to me, blah, 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 um, then, you know, pitch it. But with the business systems and the business um, 
environment that we have now, people are actually needing to connect. So I haven't really run into any difficulty with that. Okay, so with this three box system, what do I do with box two, Janine? Well, box number two is for the follow-up hour that we talked about before the break. When you have that hour a week where you're just following up with people, okay, so you've spent an hour prospecting your old business cards. Now you take the group of cards in box number two. And these are people that if you didn't hear back from them, you want to make sure that you schedule time for a call with them. Or in my case, I always ask for their address so I can start sending them cards. But what you do is you wait two weeks before you make contact with people again in box number two. Okay, and you do this during your follow-up hour. You grab box number two, you call the folks you left messages for the two weeks prior, and then you put that information in your master uh, client relationship spreadsheet, your master contact sheet. Now, this activity is the exact same, but with slight minor differences to the script that I use for box number one. So you open up box number two. It's time for you to do your follow-up. You, you grab a business card out of it. You call the phone number. Is there no answer? You leave a message. And this is the kind of message I leave with them. I'll be like, hey, Jane, it's Janine Bolin again. I left you a message about two weeks ago, and I'm still interested in connecting with you in any way. Uh, is there any chance we can get on a phone call or catch up on your latest projects? Please give me a call back. You leave your phone number. I look forward to catching up with you soon. Now, after you leave that kind of voice message, text her, uh, you know, on her cell phone and let them know again that you left a message. Be sure to include your name because you never know if they get a new phone or not. Usually I text something like, hi, Jane, Janine Bolin here. I left you a voice message again because I know how busy life can be. I look forward to chatting with you. Then I email Jane a quick message like, good afternoon, Jane. I just left you a message on your voicemail. Let me know your availability over the next few weeks so that we can reconnect. I put Jane's business card in box number three. I record the date that I sent all that message with her. And I follow up with her in two more weeks. All right. So box number three, you have a bunch of business cards that are part of, uh, that are now moving. Two weeks ago, you were chatting with them. And after you spend about an hour prospecting your old business cards, and then you've done an hour of follow-up, when you open up your box number three cards, this is the point of no return for these business cards. <laughs> after you've waited two more weeks, all right, so this has been almost six weeks of you working through these systems, you grab box number three, you call all the folks that you left messages for two weeks prior, and these particular business cards have you call the phone number. If there's no answer, you leave a message and you say things like, hey, Jane, Janine Bullen again. I left a message with you a couple of weeks ago. And over the past six weeks, I've been trying to reach out to you. Is there any chance that we can get on Zoom and just catch up? Please give me a call back. I leave your number and I look forward to catching up with you soon. Now, after you've left this voice message and a text message, be sure to include your name, like I said before. Um, I usually email a quick message again, and then I put her business card, Jane's business card, in the recycle bin. Since Jane has chosen not to respond to me with the different messages that I've left over a six-week period, 
I don't follow through with her any longer. At some point, she may reach out to me because she may find messages on Facebook or LinkedIn, but I don't actively go after her because one of the things I like to share with people is you don't want to go after your clients or your prospects like you're hunting them, right? You're really just wanting to connect with them because as you know, it's a numbers game when it comes to business. It takes time to foster relationships. It takes an investment to foster these relationships. And so I just want to remind you that with all of this work that we're doing, that we're making it super easy on ourselves, but it's very important that we take moments to just reflect on what may be going in other people's lives as well. Now, here's some tips that I'd like to remind you of when you leave voice messages. Don't ever let exasperation, irritation, or annoyance drip from your voice. You do not want this to show. You want to smile into the mirror. Oh, you mean you don't have a mirror by your desk where you're always (laughs) working with people? I have a mirror by my desk so that I make sure I'm always smiling when I'm talking to people on the phone. Yes, they can tell. When I was a receptionist back in 1989, and I was working for a multi-million dollar corporation, the owner of the corporation told me, Janine, I always want to see you smiling into the mirror. And he put a mirror in front of my phone. And he says, when you get ready to pick up that phone, look in the mirror and smile. We want to be seen as warm and welcoming. And that is the single best advice I have ever received when it came to communicating on the phone with people. So we've got to take a quick break here and uh, let our sponsors chat with you. On the return, we're going to talk more about the three-box system and your critical four hours a week. talking before the break about how we have business systems in place. And if you're running a business and you don't have systems in place, you know how chaotic things can get very quickly. So I highly recommend earlier rather than later that you get these systems going in your business. So I was talking to you about the four hour a week system that I use where we take an hour a week to prospect, an hour a week to follow up, an hour a week to connect with people on Facebook and LinkedIn, and an hour a week that we spend training ourselves. Now, in that hour a week system that I was sharing with you, uh, we also were talking about the three box system we use for business cards. And we were walking through the eight steps that you need to go through when you are reconnecting with people that you have a business card from. And so, Some of the things I wanted to share with you was the tips for leaving voice messages. Um, I was trained, believe it or not, back in 1989 on how you answer the telephone. Now, you would think this was pretty simple, but I was working for a multi-million dollar corporation at that time, and I was one of three receptionists for this corporation, and we were all run through training when we started, and the owner of the corporation said, this is what I want you uh, folks to do every time you pick up the phone. And by on our desk was set a huge mirror, like one of those standing mirrors. A mirror was set right by the telephone. And they were like, 
before you pick up the phone, look in the mirror and we want you to have a smile on your face when you answer. And this is the way you answer the phone. And so we were giving very <laughs> strict um, requirements for how we were supposed to answer the telephone. So just realize that when you're on the telephone and you're doing prospecting and you're doing the follow-up and the connection that we've been describing, it's very important that you understand these few tips. The first one is don't ever let exasperation, irritation, or annoyance drip from your voice as you leave messages for your prospects. No matter how many times you have contacted a person, I don't care if this is the fifth time you've contacted somebody. Don't be exasperated. Just say, hi, so-and-so. This is the fourth time I've left a message. I really hope you're okay. I just wanted to let you know that we're really interested in connecting with you or we need to speak to you about your invoice or whatever it is. Uh, The second tip is, and I already talked about this, is smile into your mirror each time you get ready to contact that person when you're holding that business card. The third thing is, as you call each contact, act like you have all the time in the world to let them respond to you. Remember, we're prospecting here, right? You're taking these business cards, you're calling people, you're reconnecting with them. You may have had that business card for seven years. So you're just wanting to take time to nurture these relationships. It's like planting seeds in a garden. Seeds are going to sprout on their own timeline, and it is rarely on your timeline. So it's going to take time and patience before that tiny little seed that you're planting is going to sprout. And lastly, if you feel like you're in a rush, I want you to stop. Take a deep breath, use whatever calming techniques you have learned, and don't ever prospect when you are feeling angry, frustrated, or cranky. That's going to come through. You're not going to have a good experience. You're not going to get the type of results that you're looking for. So with this three-box system that we've been talking about, just want to let you know, it kind of grew out of my own personal need to gain control over the paperwork that was flooding my workspace (laughs) As you are networking, I just wanted to let you know, I've had people, five to 10 people handing me cards and asking me to follow up with them. And it became obvious as I did all this networking back in 2018, 2019, that I wasn't going to be able to keep track of all this paper online as much as I would love to. So it calms me down to be able to take these business cards. And when I realized that all I had to do was move these cards from box one to box two to box three and let two to three weeks pass by as I was doing that. By the end of that six-week cycle, I was usually tossing out anywhere from two to three business cards, and usually I had reached several people by phone. Um, I got an email with their calendar link, or they contacted me through Facebook or LinkedIn, and so I just wanted to let you know, I actually have had LinkedIn connections that were over six years old, and they contacted me just out of the blue by me using the system. You just never know where people are going to come from. But first, you've got to be the one that has a process, that has a system for connecting with them, following up with them and staying in touch with them. It is very, very important. So I know you've heard, hey, the fortune is in the follow-up so much you want to scream. (laughs) (laughs) or maybe that's just me, but I just wanted to let you know the four hour a week system, as well as the three box system that I use for my contacts is what keeps my, well, it keeps my business in business, right? It keeps contacts coming through the door. It keeps clients coming through the door. And more importantly, it keeps referrals coming through the door. Now, the last thing that I wanted to share with you today, while I have some time with you, We've got about six minutes before we have to go. And what I wanted to share with you was 
how to write a book a year. Now I know you're like, Janine, I don't want to be an author. I just wanted to remind you, if you're a business owner, you want to write a book and you want to write a book on what you know. And I know if that sounds absolutely overwhelming, we're going to walk you through it kind of step by step, but I want you to just kind of just sit back and relax and whatever you're doing, keep doing, but just listen to this for a minute. Okay. As a scholar, I am somebody who absolutely loves history. And as a scholar, one of the things that the internet has done for us is is it made more manuscripts available to us. But also another thing that has occurred is we've lost so many people do not journal the way they used to, or they don't have diaries like they used to. And as a scholar, when you're doing history, diaries were so important because it was everyday people writing about what was going on in their life in 1897 or 1912 or 1965. You see where I'm going with this? So what we have is more of a modern day approach where if you write a book about your life, you're like, who would ever want to read it? Well, how do you know, right? There may be a historian that just wants to know about your life. The other thing is, as a business owner, you have wisdom between your ears that if you've been in business longer than five years we need that information. You have information between your ears that's very important. So I just want to discuss with you how to write your book over the course of a year. I mean, this is a plan that I came up with for myself so I could crank out one book a year because the writing process became enjoyable for me. Now, it didn't always start off that way. I have to admit that when I was a much younger writer, it was a chore. It was, it was just awful. Uh, I didn't really start allowing myself to create what I wanted, when I wanted, until I understood how pretty good I was at this writing thing. But believe it or not, I had been writing for over five years before it really clicked into place for me that I was an author. So I wanted to let you know, when I first started my writing career, I was a wife, a mom, I had four children under the age of 10. I was working a part-time business and I was writing up my master's thesis. Now, my wonderful mentor at the time turned to me and he said, Janine, you have got to write this into a book. This thesis cannot sit on our library shelf at the university. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. He's like, because you have to remember back then, what you when you self-published, it was called vanity publishing. So this is back in 2005 and life was not at all what it is today. So I encourage you to start focusing on that book that you know you need to write. Now, how do you do this in a year? Uh, The reason I give you a year is because you have several habits that you need to start creating if you want to accomplish this task. Realize there are people out there in the world that want to hear what you have to write. Now, you're going to have a lot of head trash that tells you to think differently. So just keep listening to what I share with you over the course of the Janine Boland Show. Uh, We broadcast every week. So just keep listening to this show because I'm going to be giving you tips. And I want you to listen to what I say about how to become a great writer instead of what your head trash is saying, okay? You can be inspired not only by others, but I want you to keep writing. I don't care what your head trash says. Do not use it as an excuse. I want you to find a way to write your book over the course of the next year. And when you put yourself in the mindset of writing a book a year, it is amazing what ends up happening as your goal setting as you set this target for yourself. So we're lucky it's easy to do because if you give yourself a full year to do something, it allows your subconscious to kind of start creating a plan. So step one is exactly that, create a plan. Now, what you're going to do is each month, and one of the things I want you to do is know that This is kind of some old school for some people, but I print off the 12 months on a calendar. Like I literally print it all off. 
and I have one of those big wall calendars. And if you happen to have like maybe a free calendar or something like that, go ahead and use that, tear out the pages, whatever. But what you want to do is you want to line up all 12 months on the floor. And this is where you get a better idea of what you're going to do that year. You can write stuff down that's going to happen, like when school starts. And if you're a graduate student, like I was when I first started, uh, you can kind of segment out what's happening to you. If you're a professional, it lets you know that, right? It lets you know when you're going on vacation, things like that. So anyway, this also allows you to put down the holidays and when you want to go on vacation, and it kind of allows your brain to relax a little bit. The other thing is, is you want to write out what you're going to focus on each month. And as you put it down for as a monthly thing, it allows your subconscious to go, hey, wait a minute. This is all of a sudden becoming very doable. You know, the first month, I'm going to think about writing my book. The second month, I'm going to actually kind of decide on what sort of topics I want. And I'll put post-it notes on a wall in my office that those are just going to be the subjects I talk about in my book. And one of the beautiful things about the post-it note method is that as you're putting those topics down, you're not asking to write. Your just brain is coming up with things. Oh, I could put this in my book. Oh, I could put this in my book. Now, if you're more of a digital person, like you're not a physical person like me, I, I really like the feel of post-it notes. I like writing things out by hand. But if you're not one of those people, you're more digital. Did you know you have those post-it note uh, apps that you can actually put on your desktop or create a file on your computer that says ideas for the book. And literally every time you come up with an idea, just write it down in a, in a word document or something like that. And we're going to talk more about how you write a book a year in the next episode. So stay tuned with us. Um, if you're listening to us on KHNC, we broadcast every Sunday at noon. If you're uh, listening to us on KXDS or Dixie State Radio, we broadcast every Wednesday at 8 a.m. And we also have a website, the JanineBolinShow.com, where you can go and listen to previous episodes because we're one of those crazy shows where we have content that we're constantly giving every week to help you make your life better financially, your time management, how to save your knowledge, and how to save your sanity as we move through this world together. Thank you so much for listening to this show, and I hope to hear from you please give me an email at janine at the Love to hear from you. Have a great week and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Janine Boland Show. Be sure to subscribe to our show notes by going to the janineboland.com where you'll find additional resources as well as the opportunity to sign up to receive our program in your email each week. Be sure to visit our sponsor at the 8gates.com.